Hi, what's up, guys? This is Jake Austin Walker, and you're listening to the Stargirl After Show. This is the Stargirl After Show with Sarah and Sean. Your post-show breakdown of DC Stargirl with Easter eggs, exclusive behind-the-scenes info, and cast and crew interviews. This is our destiny. I finally know who I really am. I'm Stargirl. This is the Stargirl After Show. Hey, Stargirl fans, thank you for joining us once again for another episode of Stargirl After Show, brought to you as always by Stargirl.tv and DCTV.news, your best resources for news, media, and spoilers about Stargirl and other DC Comics properties. I'm Sean. And I'm Sarah. And this week we're talking about episode 110, Brainwave Jr. My God, what an episode. Oh, this one had me shook. I was not expecting that ending. That's kind of the point, I think. Yeah, they. Um, this show definitely has made me keep guessing, kept me on my toes. So we'll get there. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to note that this episode was uh, written, the second episode of the season, written by James Robinson, the greatest. Uh, and it was directed by Andy Armaganian, who was wonderful. She's knee deep in superheroes uh she came into directing through editing she has edited listen to this 44 episodes of smallville whoa 32 episodes of arrow whoa 21 episodes of supergirl and she edited the pilot for stargirl wow as a director, she's done an episode of The Flash, two episodes of Arrow, three episodes of Supergirl, uh, one episode of Legends of Tomorrow, and now this. Wow. And I have to say, uh, she stood out to me because before directing her episode, like a few episodes before it was time to prep for her episode, she flew into town and hung out for a couple of days, got to know all the sets, uh, Went and talked to the cast and got to know the cast and the crew and everybody. And then came back in already knowing everybody, already like getting the lay of the land when she was ready. Because uh, oh. directors, there are always two directors on at a time. Mm-hmm. There's a prepping director who's getting ready to shoot the episode. And there's uh, the shooting director who's busy shooting the episode. Okay. So there's really only one guest director office because it's just for the prep director. Okay. The shooting director doesn't need an office because they're always on set. Yeah. And so when Andy came initially, the the director's office was full. So she just hang, hung out in the bullpen with us. And we got to know her pretty well during that time. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. Uh, she really, really into it. Like she really enjoys all of this stuff. And I think it shows in the episode. Absolutely. And we could talk about James Robinson, but I feel like we've dedicated probably four hours collectively talking about just him yeah. on this podcast so far. Yeah, so I think everyone knows how we how we feel about him. So should we jump right into the episode? Do it. All right. Uh, I really like this, how we started out two years ago, and we see Pat and Barbara first meeting each other. And there were two big things that stuck out to me here. One... Pat started their relationship with a lie because he said, oh, I'm on a hunt. Oh, I collect old cars when he's clearly hunting after the ISA. The second thing is who shares food that fast? Like, I understand they had a quick connection and everything, but that's not safe. 
That's not sanitary. You don't know where they've been. They could have left a, a strip in the middle. You know, they're eating at both mm-hmm. ends and then just leave a buffer in the middle. Yeah. Also, I mean, there but- are worse and more dangerous things that you can do at a first meeting than share some ice cream. It's true. Um, and then we get this immediately taking us into the basement with Barbara catching Pat and Courtney with the glowing cosmic staff. You know what I loved and about this I, was I kind of forgot that they left us on that cliffhanger and uh-huh. then they just cut back into that. And I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. My husband didn't watch last week's episode. So as this one started, I was kind of catching him up on what happened and then it cut to that scene, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this, this is how it ended. I had the same feeling. Um, and I love how Courtney's like, oh, it's a sharper image broom. Like, don't you like it? Oh, this was a painful scene to watch because it really put it in perspective what Pat has been doing. When I mean, Courtney is making the decisions on her own, but he is enabling her. Yeah, it's, it's not a good look for Pat. No. And... We get it. We're a little more on his side. But if you just step into Barbara's shoes, like I am 100% on board with everything she's saying and doing. Mm -hmm. And I love the whole your assistant superhero sidekick. That was great. Yeah, I called out I called out three different things there that all were like her being a mom. Mm -hmm. That's not down with the superhero lingo. Um, she calls Icicle Iceman. She calls it a supervillain gang. Mm-hmm. And she says an assistant superhero. Yep. But before that, the Pat and Courtney exchange where <laughs> Courtney's trying to jump in and, and do the explanations. When Pat's like, don't lead with yeah. that. I laughed out loud every yeah, time. That was done so well. And then uh, before they go to the title, when he's like, just let me tell this story. And then he just holds his finger out. Like, he knows that she's going to say more, and he's preempting. Mm -hmm. Just that little gesture, I felt, really spoke to the the growing relationship between (laughs) the two of them. (laughs) I agree. Um, But yeah, like like you said, I I love Barbara's, like, not into this thing. She doesn't know the lingo. Yeah. And she just, she sounds like a mom trying to talk about- Be hip and cool. Exactly, yeah. Yep. I sometimes feel that way when I'm trying to talk video games with my uh, teenager. Then we shoot over to the hospital with Henry and his dad. Picking up the other cliffhanger from last episode. Exactly, with Brainwave waking up. And conveniently, he doesn't remember the last 10 years. I, I mean, it really changed my perspective on him. His whole take, his immediate, like, Mary's dead when he realized that. I was like, well, maybe he is kind of a good guy. So we missed you last week, but um, when John filled in for you, he and I discussed the the way Christopher James Baker acts differently as Henry King Mm -hmm. than as Brainwave. Yeah. And we saw more of that here. Amnesiac Brainwave is basically Henry King. He's a Mm -hmm. completely different character. Yeah. I think this is also interesting. Um, I noted that the the brainwaves, senior and junior, have completely opposite arcs. Henry King is a a mild-mannered, 
nice guy, basically, mm-hmm. who gets the powers and then the powers corrupt his mind and make him into this evil guy. Yep. Henry Jr., on the other hand, is a jerk and then he gets his powers and they lead him to his ultimate redemption. Yeah, that was done really, really well. I, I love that that uh, symmetry there. Mm-hmm. The, the reflective nature of their relationships. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I remember when I was in college, I, I was in film school and I wrote a paper on What About Bob, uh, a Bill Murray movie. And it was about how Bob and Dr. Marvin switched places and had the exact opposite arcs. And it's pretty much the same thing with a lot less comedy with uh, Brainwave and Brainwave Jr., I'm going to watch What About Bob tonight. Oh, you should. I love that movie. I do too. So we get this really heartwarming scene of I, I, it's Henry Jr. seems so happy to have his dad back, to not be afraid of him, to have someone that he could talk about losing his mom with. Like he goes through like, oh, I thought she had forgotten about me. And we go over to Courtney's room and she gets the Christmas present from the first episode down. We still don't see what's in it, but um, I still think that my first episode prediction of she's going to end up giving that to Pat is going to come true, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And then we see Mike and Pat have a, a, a sweet father-son moment where Mike is standing by his side and he's going to go sleep at the garage with him. And you can see that he's pretty shaken up, but then he's still got this tough guy Mike act with his dad. Yeah, don't get shaky on me, old man. Yeah. Uh, that was that was good, yeah. And then when Jake goes back to his dad's office and starts rooting through the tapes, mm-hmm. and he finds his dad talking about his mom dying, mm-hmm. this is such a great callback to the comics. Mary, the girl of a thousand gimmicks. I believe we talked about her on uh, much earlier in one of the preseason shows of this podcast. But in the comics, Mary, the girl of a thousand gimmicks, was Starman's sister. She did marry Brainwave. They did have Henry King Jr., Brainwave Jr., as their son. I love that they threw that in there. Yeah. The whole story. Um, did I say Starman's sister? Not Starman, because in the comics he wasn't Starman. But Sylvester Pemberton's sister. Okay. The Star Spangled Kid's sister. Uh, yeah. I So I remembered when we talked about it, and then he said something about... You know, Mary, the the woman of a thousand gimmicks. I was like, wait a second here. Because <laughs> I didn't remember that she was married to Brainwave. Yeah, that happened. In the comics, was Mary, was she good or bad? She was a superhero. The girl she was of a, a thousand hero. gimmicks. She started in All-Star Comics uh, in the 40s uh, as a supporting character in the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy's uh, feature. Because okay. Star Spangled Comics was an anthology. It was a whole bunch of short stories. And they were one of the recurring features. And uh, after a few months, Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy went away. And the new feature was Mary, the Girl of a Thousand Gimmicks. She okay. supplanted them in Star Spangled Comics. Oh, okay. And I think she was there until it became Star Spangled War Stories. When superheroes sort of waned in popularity. Oh, interesting. In that tape that Henry is watching, it's labeled Day 3233. Is that any reference to anything? 
that you know of? Um, I think it's just to show that he's that a lot of time has passed. Okay. Since he became Brainwave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did the math and it was something like it was eight point something years. Yeah, close to nine years. Yeah. So basically, uh, when it said decades ago, last episode, I guess it was like 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. So round it up to 20. Yeah. We get another great staff scene uh, where the cosmic staff comes up to Courtney as she's in bed and really showing its personality like, hey, we're going to go. Come on, let's go. And she says no, that um, she can't go out, which was such a like a teenager. Oh, no. My mom said they can't go out. Yes, but also, please note, this is the first time that she says no to the staff mm-hmm. because her mom would be mad, mm-hmm. showing that she has a lot more respect for her mom than she does for Pat. Oh, absolutely. Typically. And the staff has no respect for Pat either, as we learned in previous episodes. Staff needs to get stuff done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the staff takes off and... We see it when Jordan is in the hospital talking to Brainwave. And Brainwave is asking, who is the Stargirl person that that put me here? And then all of a sudden, the staff comes up just ready to take him out. Attacks all on its own. Yeah. Talk about an impetuous teenager. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's basically being Courtney. Yeah. Rushing in head first with no plan. It does not work out for it. No. And... Immediately, it stopped. And so that was kind of surprising. But I guess it also shows that it needs, the staff needs its wielder in order to be more effective. Well, Brainwave stopped it with his telekinesis. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it blasts Jordan first and then Brainwave puts up like a telekinesis shield, which allows... Jordan the time to go up and touch it and mm-hmm. we've seen how much time Jordan needs to freeze something when he touches it yeah no time none. no none at all so that was just great that he's just like oh look at this I got myself a toy mm-hmm. which of course really handicaps Courtney although you couldn't tell too much in her fight later but but we'll get there um, though also in this scene um Jordan's spelling out what the plan is for Project New America mm-hmm. as clearly as we've seen it thus far. Yeah. Dr. Ito has a machine that's going to amplify Brainwave's powers to take over the minds of people in six states. Yes. Right in the heart of America. Yeah. I wonder if it, the idea is to make everyone like the drones that Dr. Ito has. And one more thing. Brainwave says, is that Starman's staff? And... I don't think that he knows that it's Stargirl's staff because I don't think that this brainwave knows that Starman is dead. His memory is reset to before the final battle of the JSA. Yeah, I think you're right. So he thinks there's just a Starman and now a Stargirl as well. And then we really see Henry Jr. as he's hiding outside in the hospital as Jordan and um, brainwave leave. And I think that Brainwave did hear what Henry Jr. was thinking and knew that he was over there. And that version of him opted not to rat him out. 100% agree. 
Like there's there's no way he didn't know there was a person there. Mm-hmm. Like he can reach out and read a mind easily. Of course mm-hmm. he did. Yeah. And especially when we see later when Henry Jr. is walking in the tunnels and he's like, oh, my dad's near. So they have that connection. So I, I absolutely think he knew it, which makes the ending so much harder. Another really good point. So Courtney gets up and she goes to greet her staff, which I guess is just a thing she does every morning. Yeah, She's like good you morning, do. staff. <laughs> and of course it's not there. So she asks her mom where it is and her mom's like, we're leaving Blue Valley mm-hmm. today. Yeah. We're going to up and move. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a logistics nightmare. It seems like quite the jump. Um, Courtney runs to the garage to see if Pat has her staff there. And he tells her, go listen to your mom. Go pack. You need to get far away. You know, I was wrong about all this. You guys need to be safe. And I felt so bad. Before you get talking about feeling bad for Mike, I'm sure you're going to say. Exactly. You really see where Pat's heart is at this point. Mm -hmm. Because he's straight saying like, Okay, my wife is leaving me. That is a thing that happened as of last night. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with it. It's going to hurt me forever, sure. But if you guys are safe, that's all I care about. Just go. Yeah, that was such such a sweet moment and also heartbreaking. And then Mike, you know, he's completely lost on everything that's going on. And he knows Courtney knows something and nobody will tell him anything. And I can just imagine how hard that has to be for him. It's sort of the curse of being a child is the grownups don't trust you to to interact, to tell you the full truth or trying to protect you mm-hmm. from the reality of grown up business or whatever. And he's hoping that Courtney, at least, who seems to be in on everything, can fill him in. Yeah. And not even she's willing to. So he sees his dad's life falling apart and can't see why at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because think of how sudden it was. Oh, yeah. He's been getting along great with Barbara. He he doesn't see anything. Yeah, everything's fine. Barbara's like, I'm going to go do some laundry. And then when she gets back from doing laundry, a divorce is happening. Yeah, I can't imagine what he was going through with that. So then I believe Courtney was heading out and walking down the road. And Henry Jr. calls her telepathically. So he touches her and accidentally sends everything. Was it like a Vulcan mind meld where he sends all of his thoughts into her mind? So she automatically knew everything. And I love how she's saying, you know, get away from me. Don't touch me. And then as soon as she realizes that Starman was his uncle and that so then she thinks they're cousins, she goes and hugs him and forgets about her, her sense of family is so much more important or she values it so highly. That killed me. The, yeah. the fervor with which she hugged him and the joy on her face as she pressed it to his chest. Um, and of course, he's like, what is happening? Yeah. C- can we deal with this later? <laughs> but for, for that few seconds, that utter joy in her face was unbelievable Mm -hmm. like her yearning for family is is palpable i mean she clearly values family and like very strongly and that's exactly what icicle is valuing and it just shows how i mean it's the classic one bad thing could happen 
and that can either turn uh, someone into a superhero or one bad thing can happen and that's what triggers the villain and it just kind of kind of shows that between um, a, a pretty strong connection i think between courtney and jordan so this is really where we get our info dump icicle killed my mom your dad has your staff has my dad let's go save everything uh and courtney's like well we need the team mm-hmm. so they go to get the team think things don't go well uh no no but beth is trying really hard <laughs> to make sure everyone's happy and then when yolanda tells courtney like you chose him over me we're not friends anymore mm-hmm. breck just you see her take that in yep and and she's hurt but she has resolve like okay i gotta put that that hurt aside mm-hmm. and just deal with this right now yeah one thing at a time emergency now feelings later barely changing her face and tilting her head a little more she conveys all of that Ah, like, this yeah. girl's gonna get an oscar one day yeah, I completely agree. That was, oh, that was such a rough scene for, for everyone emotionally to go through. And then I don't know what your feelings are about Rick, but I'm getting a little bit, it's very realistic, but I'm getting kind of annoyed with his attitude of only looking out for himself and trying to beat up everyone and then trying to rip off a door and kill Solomon Grundy. I don't know. I'm hoping that he evolves pretty soon look if brainwave jr has taught us anything it's that this show knows how to do a character arc absolutely so i have faith this character is introduced slut shaming a girl and here we are nine episodes later and we are crying at his death yeah absolutely that would be an incredible character arc uh, especially handled as believably as it was. Mm-hmm. If he were the main character and were in every scene, that mm-hmm. would be incredible. But he's fighting for time with a dozen other characters. Yeah. And managed to pull off that arc in just the little snippets he was allowed mm-hmm. as a B story, basically. Yeah. And uh, between Jake and the writing, that just got sold so well. Yeah, I agree. So I have no doubts about uh, what's going to happen with Rick down the road. I don't have doubts either. I'm just getting a little frustrated with him. (laughs) So the team is going to back them up and be a part of this, even though no one wants to, except for Courtney, really. Then we go see Barbara at work, where um, we see her email in S. Curtis. So we think that's Courtney's dad. And she's Googling Starman and trying to find out more information. So I think this is more the route I would have taken. But I guess she was more like, okay, we need to fix this immediately. We are going to get out of Blue Valley. Now, there's a hidden Easter egg here. Mm -hmm. Um, Just this tiny little thing. I didn't have anything to do with this one. But if you look at her email list, if you pause on that, uh, one of them is from the Royal FC. Um, And it says, does anybody have a two of clubs? Been looking for one? Is the subject line. Uh Uh-huh. So the Royal Flush Gang is a card-themed group of uh, supervillains. 
in the DC universe. And Sam Curtis is a member of that group at one point in the comics. I wonder if they're going to come in then at some point. I don't know. But yeah, that was just something I noticed in there. Yeah, I didn't catch that one. Uh, What we didn't talk about was in the beginning, the first shot before we get into the diner at the movie theater, it was Strange Adventures. Yes. um, That was the same shot from episode six, actually. Okay. Yes, it was the same posters. Um, What I think happened was... uh, that shot was for this episode. And then before the scene with uh, Icicle and Cameron having the cake, mm-hmm. they wanted an establishing shot of the diner. And so they just borrowed this scene from episode 10 and put it in episode six. Okay. I think that's what happened because going back through my emails, I did not make these posters as far back as episode six. When I sent them off for clearance, it was specifically for episode 10. Okay, I gotcha. So that was just a little bit of post-production cheat. And clearly, Strange Adventures had a really long running time. Yes. (laughs) It it managed to hang out in the theaters for two straight years. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so when... um, So Jordan comes in while Pat's in Barb's office. And brings his parents. Yeah, and it was so quick of Barbara to record them. Like now I think she is going on full on. I need to know everything mode. Well, what she says was like, I needed answers that I could trust, Mm -hmm. which um, seemed to not hurt Pat as much as she wanted it to, I would think. But it's fair. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really just them saying like, hey, a boy's got a crush on this girl. Mm -hmm. Not that it's going to matter once the machine turns on. Yeah. (laughs) So when they are back in the diner, well, when they're talking in there, um, it kind of zooms in in between them is a radio or like a little mini jukebox thing. So I'm wondering if that's how everything is going to get out, if it's going to be through the airwaves and the radio and all that. Interesting idea. Yeah. I just, I thought that was placed right in between them. So maybe it was done for a reason, but Meanwhile, while all this is going on, um, the JSA is down in the tunnels. And Henry, for the first time, really, like, apologizes to Yolanda. Yes. Just really heartfelt. Like, I I wish you could know how sorry I am, and I would take it back. She's not having it. No, which I I don't blame her, um, because he has not shown anything. A couple things I want to note when they split up into two teams. One, I noticed it's capes and no capes. Oh, yeah. And two is the two capes going off on their own. I'm sure is going to make a lot of the hour night shippers really happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this, but people really, really want those two to hook up. Really? I haven't seen that. I guess I, guess I could see them together. People are really loving the idea of Rick and Beth together, and they're calling it our night. Okay. I'm not opposed. I mean, when I watch shows, I have a tendency more to anti-ship than to ship. Mm -hmm. Like I'll watch something and there's the two like male and female lead or whatever. And I'll just be like, please don't get together. Yeah. But if those two were to become a thing, I wouldn't hate it is what I'm saying. No, I wouldn't either. 
And I think it's because they're they're such a salty and sweet pairing. Yeah, they complement each other well. Which makes me wonder, did James Robinson have the foresight to think people are going to dig on these two characters as a pairing? So let's pair them off. That might happen. I could see it. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to bring up, just to rewind a little bit, back to uh, Barbara's office. Pat has a flip phone. Yes, I know this that too. I just wanted to call out, Pat has a flip phone. What on earth is happening? I was trying to think of what the reasoning would be behind that. If he's, he's a, a type dad. that's like, yeah. <laughs> just such a dad. Because I'm sure Mike has a smartphone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We know he's got a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to call that out too. Let's just follow Rick and Beth for a second. Because their story, long and short, is they come across Grundy, as you mentioned before. And mm-hmm. Rick just wants to rip that door open and get at Grundy and kill him. Yeah. And Beth is saying, like, no, the others need us. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that stops them is they get beset by drones. Which didn't seem like that big of a threat. Because one punch and the drones were all gone. Because our man is crazy powerful. Right. But still, it was enough that he wasn't going to focus all his effort on getting that door open. Mm -hmm. Did he even try the big dial? (laughs) I don't think he did. Stop and think for a second, bro. Mm -hmm. There's a big dial. Have you never been to a bank? Yeah. The big dial, buddy. Come on. Yeah. That's what happens when you let your rage take front and center. That's, yeah, absolutely. You know how when you get real mad and you want to leave the room and you just try to punch through the door? Oh, yeah. I do that at least three times a day. (laughs) Yeah. So our A story is the guys coming across Dr. Ito's lair. And I love that Shiv is the one that calls him out. Like, you know, daddy, daddy, she's here. Yeah, and she... She clearly like just opened up the window and was like going to call out to her dad to complain about something and then mm-hmm. spotted Courtney because at first she's just like, daddy, 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 it's that bitch. Let me yeah. kill her. She yeah. went full Faruka Salk, but like uh, a homicidal version. Yes, she did. Uh, and I love later in the scene when she's like, daddy, 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 I want to kill her. I want to kill her. <laughs> Amazing. That was just well done. Yeah. And... I think we really got to see Wildcat like full on shine for the first time. I agree. So during this whole scene, I don't have as many notes on it because I got so into watching it that I forgot to take notes. Um, Because, yeah, she's going all over. Courtney has, was that not a sword, some kind of staff that she pulled? A spear from the wall. And she's using that. and She's basically using it as a staff. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Henry Jr. is, you know, mind-blowing people across the room and all that. The, the standout here really was Wildcat. Absolutely. That when when uh, all the drones are swarming Courtney and she does that leap up to the pillar and then over to the other pillar and then like down, like, mm-hmm. I just looked so awesome. Yeah, it did. And then she's also the one who got Courtney her staff back. Yeah. Um, and save the day there. And when Courtney's talking to Dr. Ito, a um, couple things to note. Uh, she calls him Snapdragon, and he corrects her with Dragon King. Yeah. And this, this is a two for one. One is, a, one is an Easter egg, because uh, Snapdragon 
is the name of the evil plan in Stars and Stripe. It's called Project Snapdragon. Oh, yeah. It's a very similar plan involving Dragon King building a giant machine radar dish thing, as we've seen. Mm-hmm. That's that's about where the similarities end. Yeah. Um. So she calls him Snapdragon. That's a callback to that. Um. The other thing I noted is he corrects her and says Dragon King. And when he was called Dragon King in the ISA meeting room, he said, Dr. Ito, please. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I'm Dragon King, Dr. Ito to my friends. And he really wants the ISA to be his friends. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was maybe like split personality, not split, but just when he is in his professional building a machine mode. Then he's Dr. Ido. But when he's in uh, I'm going to fight and kill you mode, then he's Dragon King. Also a possibility. But I really think he just wants to be accepted by the ISA. Mm -hmm. And so he wants to be more humanized to them. Yeah. And speaking of him being humanized, his hood comes off. Yeah. Oh, I loved I love Courtney and Yolanda's reaction to that. (laughs) (laughs) Just scream and blast. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was wonderful. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know what I was expecting his face to look like, but it caught me off guard. So Henry gets over to Brainwave, wakes him up, and finds that he has returned to the Brainwave that we first met. And he's so upset. He's like, oh, they already got to you. And Brainwave is like, no, the, this is me. And um, I can make you the, you know, you're the same as me. And... I can train you. So Courtney has her staff back and Mm -hmm. Henry's just like, it's too late. We got to go. Like his dad is back or brainwave is back. The dad that he was trying to save is already gone. Mm -hmm. So he's already broken off that connection. Yep. He's no longer trying to save that guy. No, now it shifts to trying to help Courtney and them. And I think that's the moment right there. Mm-hmm. that's when he becomes a good guy. I think so. So they're all trying to leave. Oh, it was even like Rick is trying to open the the bars and he asks um, Henry for an assist. And so you see them working together as a team. And I was so hopeful for the future episodes that they were going to actually get along and work together. And then... Oh, well, that was short-lived, wasn't it? That was very short-lived. So... We didn't talk about the little red herring we were given earlier about Icicle having killed Mary, Henry's mom. She was found in the pool. She was ice cold. And the tape left it pretty vague. And then in his sleep, when he just keeps saying like, oh, Mary, Jordan, like that was even more leading us to believe that. So as Henry uh, puts himself in danger pushes Courtney through the bars so that everyone is on the other side of the bars and he is now trapped on this side with his father. Mm-hmm. Basically has a little heart to heart with daddy. Yeah. And and it's a moment as shocking almost as no, I am your father. Yeah. It's like, no, I, I killed your mom. Mm-hmm. No remorse or anything. Don't make me choose again. Like Project New America is more important to me 
than your life. Which goes to show this dude's more evil than Icicle. Uh, yeah. Because he is, um, well, I don't know. Icicle, I do not feel would in a million years kill his own son. No, but he did kill Joey Zarek. Not his own son. No, I know. But killed someone else's son. I feel like he was planning on killing William Zarek anyway. So why did he bother with Joey? To give him a reason to kill William. I guess so. Yeah. Um, or I don't know. Stop Courtney. That's that's a mm -hmm. long time ago discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we we honestly could spend an hour just talking about this scene. Mm -hmm. There's so much happening. Yes. Here's the thing I noticed. You have a lot of shots of the gang trying everything they can to get through those bars. Mm -hmm. And then when Henry King says, I killed your mother, they're all like, what? Like, they're not trying to get through anymore. Yeah. Like, if they could have picked up a tub of popcorn, they would have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there's some drama going on over here. I'm going to tune in. Another thing I thought about was, so it's clear that Henry Jr. is extremely powerful, possibly more powerful than his father. But the way he thinks, he was like, okay, I'm going to take this stuff and I'm going to come straight at him. And that was his way of attacking. And of course, he stopped immediately. And then his dad attacks from a different direction. And I kind of saw that as with experience, you learn how to think differently and all that. I was reminded of um, when my stepson was little, he was got in trouble out on the playground because some kids were throwing stuff at him. He climbed on top of the monkey bars and started dropping rocks on their heads, which you shouldn't do. But the kids did not understand at all. They didn't think, oh, I'm going to look up and see what's happening because they kept just looking around them to see where the rocks were coming from. So I don't condone condone um dropping rocks on children's heads but that's what it ask, made me think of do your children listen to this podcast no he does not then i condone it <laughs> good job kid yeah i i mean i was mildly impressed that he was able to think differently than them but um still don't want him to do that oh god we're just trying to talk about everything we can because we don't want to talk about the actual moment right i think so so henry apologizes to yolanda Mm -hmm. like for real for real again really mm -hmm. but i think she's a little more receptive to it now for some reason yeah i think so too and of course he tells courtney like don't let this change your mind about people mm -hmm. people are good yeah and this moment seems to go on a little long for his dad trying to kill him 10 feet away mm -hmm. but my read on it really was that He's exerting energy to keep the stuff from crumbling in mm -hmm. and, and crushing him. Yeah. Uh, and that's how he buys himself that time. His dad isn't just I watching right. them chat. His dad is trying to bring the ceiling down on him and he's holding it at bay for as long as he can, but he knows that he can't. Mm -hmm. And as excellent as his performance was, I think the real reason... I gotta say, excellent performance. Jake made me love Henry mm -hmm. and legit mourn him. Jake is by far the standout performance of this episode. 
Mm -hmm. 100% killed it. Agreed. But I think that his redemption arc can't have been completed without Yvette's acting. Yes, I agree. Because when he apologizes to her and when he dies and she breaks down in genuine real grief, I think she sells that grief through a giant cat mask, mind you, mm -hmm. in, in such a way that she gives us permission to forgive him for what he did to Yolanda. 100% agree. Yeah, it was such a, a 180 from his apology the first time and her reaction and her genuine caring. I completely 100% agree. The grief is what sells it and Yvette sold Yolanda's grief so well. She did. And we really needed Yolanda's permission to forgive him and she gave it to us with that performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess this is a cliffhanger because we're left on a shot of the kids staring out at this rubble and we know that right behind the camera is still brainwave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so they still need to escape or fight or whatever him. Yeah. Because he could just as easily drop the ceiling down on them. Yeah. And we see that the staff works pretty well against him. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that Courtney's going to save the day there. Pretty well, but also pretty consistent. Because when he fought Starman in the pilot, they had that same face-off where Starman was blasting him and he was just mm -hmm. holding it at bay with his mind. Yeah. And he had that sweat drip down his forehead. And that's the episode. I think I covered everything that I want to say. How about you? Yeah, I think I did too. Real, real powerful episode. It, yeah. Like, honestly, my eyes were started starting to sting just talking about that death scene. Yeah. I think this was the first big shock that got me. Um, there's been a lot of great surprises about it, but I did not expect them to, to kill him off. No one is safe. No. It's true. If you just had a supervillain kill off his own child, how can anyone be safe? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we should address the fact that it's comic books and anyone can come back to life in some way. Mm-hmm. You never know. I'm pretty sure Brainwave Jr. has died in the comics and come back. Yeah. Just about every character ever has. If you've been around for more than a year, you've probably died and come back. Mm -hmm. um, so far, however, this show seems to be treating death pretty well. Yes. Although we did have Dr. Ito claiming Wizard's body. So I'm not sure to what purpose he was doing that. In the, was that episode three, I think? Four. Four? Okay. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. But so far, I think that we've really gotten a sense that uh, death is permanent here. Mm -hmm. So barring unforeseen circumstances, uh, I'm talking about Brainwave Jr. as if he's dead. Yes. And speaking of Brainwave Jr., let's talk to him. Uh, quick note, all our interviews were done before the season started. So uh, we didn't know about the season two announcement. Um, 
And you'll hear Jake mention that he hasn't seen this episode yet. Uh, by now, he has 100% seen it. When we did the interview, he did not. So just keep that in mind as you listen. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back with Jake Austin Walker. Cowgirl After Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Cowgirl After Show. So I'm here with Jake Austin Walker, who has been kind enough to join us. He is, as the title of the episode finally reveals, Brainwave Jr. Oh, it's so good to hear out loud. <laughs> Oh, it's man. been a big secret for a real long time, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's kind of, it's kind of nuts that it can finally be said. I feel like the buildup has just been, you know, dying like inside of me just to say it. Um, but no, it's really it's really exciting. It's been one of the secrets that we've been like biting our tongue on on this podcast since the very beginning. Uh, it's you and Shiv. Those are the ones they decided to be the holdouts. And here it is. It's revealed. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's it's kind of a crazy journey, too, that it's all like a full circle situation within his his one episode. Um, but I loved I loved the culmination of it all. I really loved how they handled the character. And, and I feel like he he um, he had an amazing, amazing send off. You know, I, I, re I really feel like what they did for Henry was was so great because my biggest thing with with henry as a character and it's like a philosophy i've always stood by is you know as people we're not one thing or the other right we're we're so many different things we're so much we're so capable of change and evolution evolving and learning from our mistakes and becoming better versions of ourselves. and so i think it's really cool his journey that he was able to take to show you know why he was the way he was in the beginning and the pain he went through and how you know anyone is capable of becoming a better version of themselves and so i think the payoff for the end of that episode was was just so great <laughs> i loved i loved it man and it's it's almost right from the beginning where uh you know you see that he's a bully right but there's more to even a bully because you see Ab like absolutely he's really terrified of his father oh yeah Absolutely. And I like to think, you know, when Jeff and I were talking about the character and stuff and, and again, Jeff, Jeff is, oh my God, just hands down, just such an amazing showrunner and just person in general, because he's one of those guys you could text at three in the morning and he'd have a full paragraph back to you about backstory and where you could go and how you could feel about it. I mean, he was really always there to really let you flesh things out, you know, and I think about one thing I, I love playing is, um, 
especially towards when the bulk of his story really starts building up is in my mind, Henry's been manipulated by his father mentally through his telekinesis, you know, obviously blind to that, but who knows how many things his father instilled in him through without him knowing, even as a child, you know, his way of thinking and stuff. So who even knows if Henry's ever really had free thought up until he got his powers to finally break away from his dad's spell. You know, that's, that's kind of how I felt about it too. You know what I mean? Or perhaps Um, what may have been taken from his mind. Oh, exactly. Like I, like I like to think, you know, it's so funny you brought that up because I like to think when, you know, Henry's first look, see when he first finds his father's um, stash, you know, and sees his mom for the first time, it's, I kind of like the aspect of maybe that activated it, you know, him seeing his mother kind of activated these memories, you know, they, you know, cause, cause there's two aspects you could look at. You could look at maybe it's suppressed emotional damage, or maybe it's his father genuinely wiping his memory. It's really, it's really funny you say that because it was a huge thought process during that whole thing. Um, it's, it's really interesting, you know, playing the telekinetic character. Cause there's so much going on in your head. Right. So it's, it's like, portraying that and where it could go and i'm already such a huge you know psychology is so amazing to me and how the brain works and then you add you know superpowers into that and you can kind of have a field day and telekinesis has been and and telepathy have been covered in so many movies for so long Mm -hmm. that it was it difficult to find a new way to portray it absolutely yeah I, i you know And another thing, one thing I really wanted to establish in the beginning, especially with Henry using his powers is, um, and maybe people will pick up on this in the show is his father is very, for lack of a better word, stoic when using his powers, very calm, very specific, almost like someone that's trained in a skill for a very long time. He doesn't have to showboat his powers with Henry. I really wanted to give him a sort of frenzied feeling. I wanted to give him this idea of, he doesn't really know exactly how he's controlling it. Is it his brain? Is it coming from his hands? Is it, you know, I, I wanted it. I didn't want him to be, I guess, completely sure about how it all works yet, you know? So I wanted when we had our final battle for there to be this sort of sense of rage and, you know, being lied to his entire life, there is a sort of no control to him to where his father has nothing but control. And I think, that was an aspect I really want to do because I loved how Chris handled his powers. And we, we even talked about that. We even talked about like building a dynamic between us because I didn't want Henry to just get it. You know, I've, I've always like, I guess in, in superhero movies, I've always been bummed out when it's like, oh, they spent like 20 minutes doing it and now they know how to do it for the rest of their life. Like I love, I love the idea of not having control, especially with a power like that. You know, I mean, that's, God knows when we don't see him, what he's going through with that power at the same time, you know, and, and who knows how painful it is because he has the headaches and he gets used to them, but we don't know to what extent that stops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you also have real world examples where people hear voices. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so if you're hearing voices the way he is like in his math class, mm-hmm. which I believe for the first time, uh, you're not going to jump to, oh my God, I must be telepathic. You're yeah. going to jump to, oh, there is something wrong with me. Absolutely. You're going to jump to, I'm either going crazy or this is a dream. And then on top of that, he has no foundation, right? He doesn't have a mother to talk to. His father's in a coma. 
So when you're handling these things, who do you talk to, right? He tries to go to his girlfriend who is a conceited supervillain and it's not her fault, you know, but <laughs> well, she's his secret superhero handler. Yeah. Right. Or supervillain handler. I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and no, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of spot on. It, it is this sort of, that that's the first instinct. Right. And, and when we were first talking about the powers, like when I first, that was a really interesting thing. Um, if you don't mind me branching off real quick, when we were first talking about this character, I remember when I first ever auditioned for it, I, funny enough, I auditioned for, uh, Rick and it, it, it was, a, it was a fun audition. It, it went really well, but it, it just wasn't the right fit. And then they're like, come back. Like we're writing a character right now. We'll, we'll be in touch. And then they contacted and they reached out and went in and went in for that character. And obviously it, it went, it went well. Um, but the only, don't, hey. don't feel like you need to brush over this because <laughs> your audition process was definitely on my list to ask about. So feel oh, free. Great, great. Yeah. Then I'll, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was a really interesting situation. Cause, cause then I went in for this new character Right. And um, and they weren't really giving me much about him. And the only the only thing I was kind of like, oh, man, about is that when I first read it, it just felt very bully. You know, the first scene was just very. You had a you had a dummy name, right? Yeah, I had a dummy name. My name was Charlie Gates. That was uh, that was Henry's secret. um, I love that every single actor remembers mm-hmm. their dummy name oh yeah you have to man you have to you gotta you gotta hold on to that stuff because it's so much fun for situations like this you know because because you know in most cases the process is so mundane and it is filled with so many no's and it is so superficial the casting process and so when you actually have a fun story you know i love to talk about it and remember every little aspect about it for new actors listening or you know anybody really just to hear the process but um but yeah so his name was uh charlie gates and what was really interesting to me is the first scene was like was really bully you know what i mean and i had just done two projects where i played a bully uh the project before was just straight bully you know he didn't have any any really any too much depth to the character he was just mean which um i, I found kind of unfortunate because that's just not really how people work um and then the character before that was a bully but he had a very big secret and i and i thought that was the payoff was really wonderful for that and but i was just kind of getting tired of playing the bully because you do get pigeonholed you know like you you do you do a certain character type enough and unfortunately with redheads there's this horrible stigma where like i mean the statistics for redheads getting bullied in school and and just like being considered like weird and stuff it's it's really bad i mean i don't i don't really think it's like talked about enough you know what i mean and i'm not trying to be like a advocate for like save the redheads but redheads you know they, they get a hard rep man like not yeah. many, not many people see them other than anything as like jerks and stuff or like the weird in the real kid. world you get bullied but in movies you are the bullies yeah it's the most ridiculous thing yeah like i was a fat redheaded kid you know and i'm not gonna say like heavy set or anything like yeah well i was i was a fat redheaded kid i was a fat redheaded kid so i was like 15 all right and and like people are really mean like they're really specifically to redheads people are really really mean and um so i was kind of getting tired of playing that. You know what I mean? I was tired of being the bully. Like I was like, dude, I don't, you know, I don't, (laughs) you know? And the last thing I wanted was to play a bully on a superhero show. Like I love superheroes. I don't want to be a part of a show if I'm just going to be a bully. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but was, what was really interesting about the second scene for that audition was that 
the second scene was really heartbreaking. It was him talking to a psychiatrist about how he hates this kid at school because this kid basically gets love from his mother that he's never had. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's something right there. That's really interesting. Turns out that scene ended up being the first scene my dad and I have in the first episode or the second episode, um, where he's talking to me about, um, to read his mind and stuff for the first time that actually ended up being that scene, which I thought was really cool. Um, but basically, yeah, so I do that audition. Uh, it, it, it goes well. And then the only thing is they're not elaborating on the role. They're not telling me what the character is or what he's going to do or anything. And so, um, as far as I know, he's just a bully and they didn't say if he was going to be a series regular or a guest star, like there was no, you know what I mean? They're just being super hush hush about it and setting up the secrecy that would continue until right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so on top of that as well, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a musician. So at the same time I was, um, it it actually was a it's a really crazy story, man. So basically they, I'm like super on the fence about it. Okay. I just really, I'm like, dude, I just don't want to play a bully again. And I especially don't want to be a bully on a superhero show like that. Like that was just like, that seemed like such a, it just bummed me out. You know what I mean? Like, and, and look, there's nothing wrong with, with playing characters and, and stuff. You know what I mean? But it's just like, I had just done it so much. I was just, I was burnt out. I didn't want to be a bully anymore. And, uh, or I didn't want to be a bully that didn't have depth. I like, I wanted to be more than what his archetype was, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so my reps call me and they're like, Hey, Jeff wants to meet with you. Um, he's like, he wants to explain the character to you. He feels like you're, you, uh, you're being a little, like he, he, he feels like you're a little scared off of the character. And I, and I was like, transparent. I was like, well, yeah, I am. I don't want to be bullied. And he's like, yeah, that, he wants to meet with you. So I go in. I go meet Jeff and just right off the bat, he's just the coolest dude ever. We talk comics for like 20 minutes and then he's like, so I hear you're a little on the fence. And I was like, yeah, man. Um, obviously I, I love this world. I love this universe. I was like, I just don't want to be a bully in it. I was like, even if I'm a villain, that's cool. I'm like, but I just don't want to be a high school bully in such a great superhero universe. <laughs> And that's can, I, what, can I just interrupt you for half yeah, a second? Please because go I ahead, want to go point ahead. out, uh, people listening may not have this in their mind, yeah. but you're one of like a thousand guys <laughs> yeah. going out for this role. <laughs> yeah. So it really says something that Jeff Johns is like, oh, that guy's on, on, on the fence and oh, doesn't man. just go, well, move down to the next <laughs> guy on the list. Yeah, man. Jeff is really looking out for me. He, he's, he's looked out for me this entire process. Like I, I can't stand enough how amazing the guy is. And then that's not like blowing smoke. You know, he's just a good dude. Like, I mean, it is what it is. He's, he's just a nice guy. Um, now, was this during the audition process or had, had you like gotten the role? No, no. So this was like right before getting the role. So basically I did that audition a few weeks went by and he, cause we were just like, we couldn't come up to come with an agreement. Right. Cause they just kept saying they're like, well, Jake doesn't want to sign it. Cause he doesn't know what it is. Cause they kept saying like, okay, we want them. And I kept saying no. Cause I was like, well, you guys won't tell me anything. Like, that's the thing. I don't want to sign my life to this cause in risk losing another role because you guys won't tell me anything, you know? And, um, and that's when Jeff I was like, well, how, let me, let me, let me see if I can talk to him. And so I went and talked to him and that's when he just gave me the whole breakdown. He ran through the entire arc and that's, and then right then and there, I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> like, you know, that's when he told me about, he's like, you're actually, you know, your dad's a super villain. Your mom's a superhero. You're technically, you're technically Starman's nephew. It, it just got bigger and bigger. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh wow. So 
I'm an anti-hero. And he goes, basically, I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. And then that's, that's the story, man. But what was crazy is, uh, right during that time, uh, cause I'm, I'm also a musician on the side. I was, uh, about, I was flying to New York to, um, go talk to this new potential label. And so it was kind of came down to this thing where it was like, either fly to New York and miss the opportunity for the show or I don't go to New York and do the show. And uh, there was a really scary moment there. And then after talking to Jeff, we figured it all out and it all, it all worked out. Um, but yeah, that was the process, man. And then, you know, a few months later we were in Atlanta uh, starting. It was, it was, it was pretty crazy. So obviously you've just booked brainwave junior. Yeah. So you're getting on Google oh, and you're dude. looking up brainwave junior. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I knew who Brainwave was. I didn't know he had a son. I knew, I knew about the JSA and the ISA because of my uncle. Um, because the way I actually got into comic books and stuff is my uncle. I don't know if many people know this, but there used to be this, this magazine called Wizard Magazine. I don't know if it's. Oh, um, Wizard Magazine. That's, that's my youth right that's there. That's what I'm telling you, brother. Yeah. So my uncle had like four years worth of Wizard Magazines just stacked. And he gave them all to me on my birthday. I'm like, I think it was like, I think it was like six or seven. And I don't know if you remember, or at least some of them used to have um, like three to four pages of teasers of comics in the very back. Like they'd have like a few pages of new comics in the back um, yeah. or, or occasionally a teaser or so. So I'd take those out of every single magazine. And like, sometimes you could piece together one full comic. And, uh, <clears throat> and so that's how I kind of got into it. And, um, and when Infinity Inc. was having its run, right, there were sometimes little, there were little teasers of like, because they did like a brand new run on it. And there were little teasers of then that kind of talked about the JSA and the ISA. And then I remember, I remember talking to my uncle about it and he had a huge, you know, he, he talked about it. And, and that's what I kind of knew. But I didn't know about Brainwave Jr. I didn't know about the sun. I, I knew, I knew um, faintly about Brainwave and that whole situation, but I didn't know he had a, a child because of, uh, because I knew of, of In Infinity Inc., but I didn't know what the team consisted of and everything. But oh man, it was it was crazy. And I think what was crazy too is when I looked up the character, I'm like, oh my god, I look just like a. <laughs> I think that's what that that's what blew my mind the most is I thought like, well maybe I'm going to be like a new rendition of a character or something like that. You know, I thought I thought there's there can't be many characters that look like me in comics, and uh, turns out. <laughs> he looks exactly like me. Um, yeah. Now, now, when you saw pictures of him, uh huh. Tell me about your response to the suit. <laughs> oh man, I thought I think his suit's badass for the time. Really, I mean, I, I loved his suit, man. Um, I think the only thing, well, there's actually one comic arc. He's in this comic with um, Black Adam, and when and he's more of a villain in that comic. And that suit, in my opinion, is like the dopest suit he's he's ever had. Um, but, uh, you know, the first thing I thought when I looked at him was, man, I need to hit the gym. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, dude, I love, I love his suit. I love his colors. I actually, the minute I, I booked it, I went on Amazon and bought a shirt that has his logo on it. <laughs> Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Um, yeah, I went, I went and bought it. So like when, when it's officially out and about in the public and the episode airs, I'll be able to finally wear it. I'm just waiting. Seriously, I, I own it and I'm just waiting to wear it. I, like, 
I'm I'm waiting for someone to spot you in it. Yeah, I know. And right. freak out. <laughs> right. Oh man. <laughs> no, I'm I'm being good. I, I made a promise to myself I wouldn't, you know, as much as I'd want to, I wouldn't. <laughs> Were you disappointed that you didn't get to have a super suit? Not really, man. It's funny. Like I, I get to ask that a lot. It's like, yeah, like they're, they're cool. You know, if anything ever happened in the future to where I would get a super suit, I think that's awesome. And it's super fun. But my, my thing is uh, one thing I love about Henry, if I'm being biased is a once Henry, once Henry gets like his full potential of powers, he's stronger than the entire JSA. Like he, I could kill all of them, you know, if I wanted to get, if I wanted to sitting at that table, I could literally give them all an aneurysm and kill them all. Henry's like ridiculously strong, you know, which I also think is one of the reasons he had to go for balancing purposes. Cause if Henry would have been part of the JSA in the show, I mean, they wouldn't have really stood a chance. He's as strong as his dad, if not stronger, that's like established in the comics. Um, so I wasn't really bummed about not having a suit. I mean, obviously there's my inner inner dork that's like, oh my God, a suit would have been sick. And I'm still here for it if, you know, whatever happens in the future. But uh, I actually kind of loved how he stayed in his civilian clothes. I, th- I thought it because, you know, the one thing about the suits as well is all the heroes, if you think about it, aren't anything without their suits, you know? I mean, like, obviously they're, they're, they're intellectuals and they're fighters and stuff, but I'm saying when we get down to like the actual powers, right? Like if we're objectively speaking about powers, they depend on what they use. Like Beth needs her goggles, Stargirl needs his staff. Our man needs his hourglass. Yeah. And, and then Yolanda does nothing without the suit. Henry doesn't need anything. I can literally use my powers naked. You know what I mean? So I guess that was like, to me, I thought was kind of a lot cooler is Henry wasn't dependent on anything. He doesn't need a suit. You know, if he wants to go hunt someone down, he doesn't have to put his suit on. He just goes and does it. Um, so personally, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. It also reminded me of like, um, I was a huge fan of heroes and like none of them had suits and they had yeah. some of the most epic fights for that time for TV. Um, so I don't know, man, I like, you know, I'm split. Cause obviously there's part of me is like, yeah, suit's cool. But at the same time, like I was completely content with how they handled it keeping. And I, and I love it. Cause I would always joke, like when I put on my varsity jacket, I'd always say, all right, let's suit up boys. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, I, I yeah, I, w- I was, I wasn't too terribly bummed. I, it also just, it's based off just like how much fun, uh, Jeff and them let me have with the character too. They really like, um, drew out that character throughout the season. He became so much bigger than I thought he ever was going to be. Um, so yeah, to yeah. the, to the point where he's a, a central sticking point amongst the JSA. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting, man. I didn't know just how pivotal he was going to be, you know, like I knew, I knew, you know, when we were talking, I knew, I knew Jeff said like, yeah, at some point you get your powers and then you help the JSA, you know, like I knew that. Right. But I didn't know that I'm in a love triangle with like a villain and a hero. And then I'm, you know, (laughs) related to the main person. And we don't know this the whole time. You know, I didn't know that situation. Like Henry, I didn't know that the whole reason brainwave goes after Stargirl is because of me. The whole reason it all starts is because of Henry. Like (laughs) I never knew that. You know what I mean? Like if Stargirl would have never gone after Henry, brainwave wouldn't have found her as soon you know what i mean like there's a lot of things had henry not been part of it 
Yeah, if Henry just wasn't such a jerk. Yeah, if he just wasn't such a jerk, you know, maybe Blue Valley would have been fine. Um, but but yeah, man, it, it was uh, it was really crazy. I I I didn't, and I'm beyond thankful. I mean, it's it's so much fun because I had just so much to play with. But uh, I had no idea it, he was going to be incorporated to the extent that he was. Honestly, I think that all the super suits on this show are the best DC oh. super suits ever made. Oh, period. Hands down. And that's the thing to argue like it's all relative. You know what I mean? Like for me to say these are my top three because they're all gorgeous. I mean, they're gorgeous suits. Like I really hope there's some sort of event where fans can go and look at these things up close because they're just made with so much love and detail that people need to really see them. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. Having having seen them up close myself, mm-hmm. uh, both on the actors and just in the super suit area. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they are amazing. Yeah, man, I would love for them to do like a Comic-Con thing where there's a panel and people could really like view these suits and it, not even just the suits, the props. Are you kidding me? Like the hourglass and Stargirl's staff. And I mean, it just out of this world, like the, like they just, they didn't hold any punches, man. They, and, and, and I mean, these guys work, you know, night and day, just killing it. They're so talented, you know, and it just goes to show it's, it's all a big machine, man. I mean, everyone's working together to make the best possible product. And dude, these, this whole team killed it. They just killed it. I grew up with this stuff, man. Like I said, I was a heavy set kid. My friends were video games and comics, you know, like I spent so much time at school being told I was a loser and, and stuff. And then I'd go home and be able to play these games and read these comics about these quote unquote losers doing such amazing things and being so much bigger than what people thought they could be. And then you go into this room with all the props and stuff you grew up on and these people you idolize and it's like right there in front of you. It was, it was such a full circle moment for me. Like it, it really was. As a grown man who tops out at five foot three, I can tell you, <laughs> I relate 100%. I just, yeah, man, it, it really was. Dude, I, I, I like, I, I hardcore teared up. I mean, when I, when I officially got the role, I cried. I 100% cried. Um, just, just cause I, I've been in this game for a long time and I've been so lucky to have the work and, share the screen with amazing cast that I have and stuff. Um, but like superhero was always, that was dream. You know, that was in game. Like I've, I've killed zombies. I've been, the, I've been the spec ops guy. I've done all that stuff. And that is just absolutely amazing. And I couldn't be more grateful for that opportunity, but like superhero was literally, that was definitive, man. That was in game. And then to be able to do it at 21 was just like, and not just any superhero, like a superhero that's part of DC, like part of, you know, a world I just adore, you know, and, and I'm not at the very roots of the DC universe. Oh my God, like, yeah, the roots, man. And and so, yeah, dude, I, I cried for sure. I, it was it was like one of the it was just such a crazy thing. You know, <laughs> I actually went through like a world of emotions because I was like, wait, this was endgame and I'm doing it at 21. So like, what's next? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it was crazy. Well, I guess the next step would be to actually get a hold of Wally West. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, maybe if they did Flashpoint, they could uh, they could uh, let me be Wally in the DC in the MC. Wait, what is it? What do they call it? The DCEU. DCEU. Thank you. Yeah. But re- regarding those suits, real quick, um, mm-hmm. when I said that LJ made the best DC super suits, I meant across all media oh dude i i stand by you i'm with the, you the like 100 the only one that matches up to what she's done here would be ben affleck's bat suit 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, dude, I'm not gonna lie. I watched the original Avengers and I couldn't help but think like, oh my God, our suits look so much better than those. <laughs> and those look great. Those are amazing suits, you know? And I think that's what's so funny about it. It's all, you know, it's all in the same realm. You know what I mean? It's it's all in the same world. They, they all look amazing. So again, to pick out some from a bunch, it's just, ba- it's not saying one's less than the other. It's just, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you as a whole, man. I, I, I mean, I remember the first time I saw the team fully together when we were doing episode 10, you know, and I'd seen them piece by piece, but seeing everyone together, I was just like, holy crap, you guys are going like so many kids are going to idolize you guys. You have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just nuts. It's, it's nuts. It's got to be amazing to be like part of something that's going to do so much. Yeah, man. I'm just, if there's one thing that could happen from this, I just hope there's like, <laughs> I know this sounds, <laughs> I don't know if this sounds lame or not, but I just, I, you know, I hope like maybe there's gonna be little redhead kids that watch it and like, actually, I just think when I used to watch Spider-Man and jump on the couch and pretend like I'm shooting webs, I wonder if there's going to be little kids like pretending they're using telepathy and stuff after seeing it. Like, I think that'd probably make me cry again. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it. yeah, it's just cool as a whole, man. It's it just, I, I could talk about it forever, really. <laughs> One of the first things, like the first time I had a conversation with you, we just started talking comics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you came over because I had a Green Lantern power battery on my desk. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Uh, And so, you know, we just struck up from there because, you know, people that are like really into comics and like really get it and have been there. It's a unique bond we all share with one another. Dude, in the comic, the comic and and video game community, you know, just we'll we'll just uh, just the whole spectrum of that of, of that community is like for me personally. I mean, yeah, you look, you got a lot of bad apples everywhere, but I mean, these what these stories have done for people's mental health and you know all that if we want to really deep dive into it it's the truth man i mean having these places to escape to took me out of some really bad spots and uh and i think that's why the community is so tight-knit is you know these people not only are stories we're watching but these people have and stories have pulled us out of some very dark places and shown us you know optimism and light you know what I mean? And sure, there's pow and kapow and people flying around and stuff. But I mean, it's still, you know, it, it really a lot of these stories sit with you, you know, and I think that's why it is such a strong community and why these characters matter so much to people and why, you know, no matter what Spider-Man thing comes out, I'm going to buy all of it and I'm going to watch the hell out of it because Peter Parker is a character like <laughs> probably is half the reason I was able to, <clears throat> I don't know, just be more outgoing and cool with myself and stuff like that <laughs> as a kid. And then obviously and, and amazing parents and, and friends and stuff like that, but comics, comics and video games. I mean, it, I could never deny it. It's such a big part of who I am in my life, you know? Yeah. I mean, parents are great and everything, but they're no comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Parents are cool. You know, they're cool, but have you read comics? <laughs> That's a good shirt. Parents are cool, but have you read comics? <laughs> uh, and you know, I'm 20 years older than you. So sure. it's like, you don't even get what it was like growing up a comic nerd in 1990 or 1989, you know, oh, and bro, through the yeah. 90s. I, I, I couldn't even begin to fathom it. 
but now it's you know accepted um right i was exactly yeah yeah i was i was just gonna i was just gonna say yeah it, it is it is really interesting it's definitely you know it's definitely become such a well i think that goes for for many spectrums of what would be considered like dorky or whatever right it's it's like <laughs> superhero movies and what they make today and what they do today and what they stand for today would have been nowhere near back in that time. You know what I mean? Back like in the eighties and the seventies and eighties and stuff. It's just, it's just because people are like, well, that's not what like people want to see. You know what I mean? That's not, it's like, um, actually it's exactly what people want to see. It's an escape, man. It's like, it's probably one of the best escapes ever made. <laughs> Jake, I have to tell you, and I've told a million people, this greatest cast I have ever worked with. I have never met a, a nicer group of people who were so excited and just genuinely like happy to be where they were and mm -hmm. treated everyone with respect. Mm -hmm. I heard nothing bad about anybody the entire anybody. time I was there. Yeah. Hands down, man. Well, it, well, I mean, that's just, that's exactly what it was. And I, and I think what was so great about it too is, you know, we were hanging out with each other on and off set. Like we'd spend sometimes 16 hours with each other and then go back, leave set and still keep going. You know, I mean, we didn't want to, none of this cast wanted to be away from each other, you know? And I think that really goes to show like, and, and I'm not just talking about, it wasn't sectioned out, you know, it wasn't clickish. I'm talking everyone mingled, you know, it, it, it was, it was great. It, it was literally, and, and again, I've, I love every single cast I've ever been a part of. I, I've met, met, been mentored, learned so much from so many amazing actors um uh actors and actresses and and it just like it, this is just another one that on top i mean just another just absolutely amazing cast and i am biased right now because you know <laughs> i love the show right now so much but uh but yeah they are just this some of the sweetest people i've ever worked with man and that goes you know and that's just not like when i when i say like cast i should add crew too i mean everyone was awesome <laughs> like i can't remember like everyone was so just so cool i mean we were always having a fun time on set yeah that's that's really great because it's not always the case mm -hmm. no no it's no it's not so i wanted to ask you this uh-huh uh-huh did emily let you steal your letterman jacket oh she didn't dude and i tried so hard man i tried so hard i wanted to steal the letterman jacket and then there were these green jordans that and they were green specifically because of brainwave like the, she like they were made green and uh i wanted to take those and i wasn't allowed you would think so. being a dead character that it wouldn't be such a big deal yeah no shit man and then like you know and then that whole situation and i was like come on you know what i mean well, I, I talked about this with Neil and mm -hmm. it's, you know, no one is ever dead. A hundred percent dead in comics. I know that's, that's the one thing that's always like, I mean, I know for the, I, the one thing I told myself though, is if they wanted me to come back and, and I don't mean this like nose raised up or anything, but if they wanted me to come back, it would have to be for a really, really good reason. Cause then the death is irrelevant. You know what I right. mean? Right. Like you, like in so many projects have brought people back from the dead and it's just killed all the history. I mean, let's not get started on Dr. Who and like re re erasing history and, and running uh, fans, fan stuff. <laughs> as, as someone who wants to play Wally West one day, yeah. uh, the importance of the death of Barry Allen cannot yeah. be understated. And he stayed dead for 20 plus years. 
Yeah. And who brought him back? Yep. Jeff Johns. Yep. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's what's um I think that's what's cool is that uh Jeff he's he's always got something turning in his head, you know? And the last one the last time we spoke right before it was all over, he had some ideas, but you know, I'm content with Henry's story. I think it was it's one of the, my it's one of the coolest arcs ever. And so if I, if I never went back, you know, it would be sad just because you don't, you know, see anybody except if you meet them out and about. But at the same time, I'm completely content with that being the end of Henry's story. I think he served his purpose and had a great arc and had an amazing message and I think that moment where he looks at Courtney and, you know, kind of tells her that she's on the right path is so fundamental to everything that comes in the future episodes. And also using his dying moments to, to really Apologize. let Yolanda know. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean that whole build up right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but, um, if it all comes out how I think that's going to be a really, a uh, really heartfelt moment. Even on the page, it's really emotionally charged. Oh man. Yeah. It, well, it was just sad too, because we all kind of, you know, it was definitely an emotional day just because that was my last day. The day I died happened to be my last day of filming. So, you know, we were just kind of like, oh man, this is it. All right. Like spent six months with somebody you're about to leave. And then. So before the uh, season started uh, on the podcast, we did an episode just breaking down Jeff's career and contributions to the DC universe Mm -hmm. specifically. And we barely scratched the surface. It was a full hour, barely scratched the surface. And so much that he did is yeah. so much like, people don't know. Yeah. He's, he's probably the most prolific living comic writer. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. Like, he's like DC's Brian Michael Bendis, which is weird to say in a time where Brian Michael Bendis is working for DC. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But he is for DC. What Brian Michael Bendis was for Marvel. Yeah. Without it. I mean, you know, in the Twitter sphere and Instagram and all that, he, he's royalty. He's he's like the shining light in the D- DC movie universe, kind of like the shining light. You know what I mean? He he's how they found their their way out of the dark on certain stuff, you know, um, and that and that's that's just the movie movie universe. It's not even including like you said. Oh, dude. Well, I think that's crazy, too, is when you officially look him up, you're like, oh, my God, he's been a part of like oh, some of the best stories ever made. Like, and you just forget, you know, like he's just, he's on everything. The way he can take a theme, right. And turn it into such a beautiful storyline. I mean, the guy, the guy's got a gift. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's true. And I mean, when I was younger, I criticized him a lot for, you know, bringing Jason Todd back to life by having Superboy Prime punch the universe. Right, right. Because when you say it like that, it sounds dumb. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. Anything taken out of context with most comics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, still, when you look at, at his oeuvre, it's un- unbelievable. And oh, man. just yeah. comic he, books wouldn't be what they are without him. He's had so many more hits than misses, for sure. 100%. Um, and it's... It was uh, an absolute honor for me and I'm sure you to get to work with that guy. Dude, totally. And you know what's so funny too? (laughs) Just like the sweetest dude ever. (laughs) Like so down to just like, he could have everything on his mind about the show. And again, I'm going to reiterate it. He'd literally just sit there and chat to you and ask you about your day, see how you're doing. 
while he's got like the weight of the world <laughs> on him, you know, like, yeah. So, uh, Jake, I have one question. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to come up with one question to ask everybody on the cast. Ooh, okay. So, if you were cast on Stargirl and given your choice of any role to play other than Henry Jr., who would you have wanted to play? Other than Henry? Yeah, you can't, you can't pick your own character. That's lame. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh... Hey guys, it's Sarah. Jake just mentioned a character that we have not yet met. And so you're going to have to wait until the end of the season before you know his answer. You know who Cam said? Who? Well, he had two answers. Almost everybody had two answers, weirdly. Uh, Cam yeah. uh, said Stargirl. But if he couldn't <laughs> be Stargirl, uh, Henry Jr. No kidding. That's pretty funny. We share a lot of parallels. My second was going to be going to be Rick. I just love people that have a lot of turmoil. Henry and Rick have a lot in common. A lot, a lot. Yeah. The only, yeah. I mean, we, you know, that, well, that's what Cam and I talked about. We were actually, we were so excited when we got that little scene in the cafeteria where we had that little duel because for the longest time we, we wanted to like fight. We thought it'd be so cool to have like a full on fight. It just never ended up happening. Yeah, you're you're both angry young men um, due to issues with your parents mm-hmm. uh, with that both find something deeper within themselves. And see, I always said, though, we couldn't really have a full fight because if I was allowed to choose how Henry fought, I'd take the hourglass and strangle him with it without touching him. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. basically, you have the force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing, too, that one that one little moment. You know, it didn't matter how strong he was. I sent him flying with my head, like literally a flick in my head. So it's like, it's kind of hard to put those two against each other because I could just hold him in the air the whole time until his hour ran out and then like kill him. Yeah. And by the way, can I just say, Breck is the sweetest person that's ever existed. <laughs> she, dude, she is. She's, she's such a sweetheart, man. She, she really, I mean, she's like, her and Courtney are like the same person. <laughs> like, it's, it's so, it's so great. She really is, man. Uh, and she killed it, like just seeing her evolve from the first episode to the last episode and really find her own space. You know what I mean? Like she really by the by the end of that, she was 100 percent star girl. You know, yeah, I, I want to see all you guys blow up real big. But Breck in particular, I just think needs to be. Yeah, she needs to be a spokesperson. She needs to be a, a idol for girls because she's a great she's a she's a very she's an amazing. Um, I mean, you, you, that being said. Uh, all the characters but but she she is such a great um role model you know what i mean yeah she's got her head on really well (laughs) jake i want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time and coming on the show yeah absolutely thank you for having me i love doing this stuff and hopefully uh we can talk to you at some other point down the road and who knows it's comic books maybe there will be a season two that'll have some brainwave in a silly blue and red suit Oh, yeah. Keep your neurons crossed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Keep your neurons crossed. Oh, that's going in. (laughs) That was the best. (laughs) I've been waiting to use it for a while. I'm not going to lie. Oh, so I'm I'm very happy that you finally get to come out as Brainwave Jr. just in time to die. But I know. Hey, man, it's cool. At least the payoff's worth it. Man, Jake is such a great guy. He is. He feels very relatable. Yes, 
very real guy. So I want everybody to know that uh, I have another podcast. It is called Table Reads. We read scripts of movies that never got made for your torture and or entertainment. Uh, it is at TableReadsPodcast.com. Sarah, tell them about you. Yep, and uh, I have another podcast called What's New Nancy Drew, where my co-host Ben and I talk about the latest episode of the CW show Nancy Drew. So go listen to that. And uh, next week we are talking to Mark Ashworth, who you may know as the mysterious janitor. Uh, and we're going to leave you with a quick clip of that interview Come back next week and we will be discussing episode 11. Until then, have a super great day. Hi, this is Mark Ashworth. You're listening to the Stargirl After Show. I, I, I enjoy the challenges of, of the different roles that I have the opportunity to do. Um, you know, I, I try not... When, I, when I'm auditioning, sometimes I'll, I'll be... Um, I'll, I'll see if I can send a couple of takes one obviously in my native tongue or close to it uh, depending on the, the character or the class of the character and then I'll, I'll send one to American you know I, I try and not um, I try not to limit the 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 the, the role based on my initial idea of it you know Stargirl After Show is a production of Fandom Limb Media. Oh.